Good afternoon and good morning. This is Jennifer Brasington filling in for Mark Johnson, CEO from Loyalty 360. Welcome to another episode of our Loyalty 360 Leaders and Loyalty series. In this series, we talk to brand leaders about what they're seeing and hearing on the front lines of customer, channel, and brand loyalty. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Christy Gold, Vice President and Head of Product at GHA Global Hotel Alliance. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. Hey, Christy, do you think you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and your position at GHA and maybe a fun fact? Okay, yeah. Um, Well, I, as you mentioned, am currently responsible for the core product at Global Hotel Alliance, GHA, um, and that's our GHA Discovery Loyalty Program. Um, It connects our hotels and provides recognition and rewards to our soon-to-be 20 million members. Um, I joined GHA in 2009, back in its startup days, um, and I was fortunate enough to be part of the launch of this program um, and have been in various marketing and CRM roles um, previously along the way. Um, Fun fact about myself, I mean, just something that all my friends know, but maybe it's not so obvious. I love real estate. So um, if I need a mental release, I'm looking at, you know, Zillow listings um, for where I live or where I want to live, like on the beach or Europe, or I just, I love to see homes. I love to envision what people's lives are living in those homes. I love with Airbnb and VRBO and home sharing that you can experience other people's homes. So um, that's just something fun for me. I usually know cost per square foot and like um, about land value and random stuff that's completely unnecessary. I've lived in my house for 10 years and we're not looking at moving, but it's just a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I like I like looking at all those things too, especially those uh, real estate uh, television shows and they show all the homes in your area. <laughs> HGTV. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you think you can uh, give us, tell us just a little bit more about GHA, about the company, maybe a bit of its history? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so GHA was founded in 2004 um, to help regional luxury hotel brands compete on the global scale. Um, initially with B2B services and economies of scale, kind of helping with partnerships and, and just helping very strong regionally respected brands, such as, um, you know, Kempinski Hotels, which is largely Europe. Asia, Africa. Um, You had Pan Pacific Hotels, largely Asia, Um, Anantara, a lot of Asia brands, Um, but very strong players in their markets. And then they just needed help um, kind of competing with the larger brands out there that are um, much larger and global. global. So, um, but back then we did also realize that all of our hotels were for the most part on the same technology, opera systems on the PMS and then it's it's, uh, central uh, OCIS Um, and opera's part of Micros. Micros is now Oracle. Oracle is one of our shareholders. So we knew that they were all kind of on this technology already. And we saw the opportunity to um, create a central platform that ties it all together and powers this recognition program for customers through a loyalty program. So we launched that as JHA Discovery in 2010. And um, as of next month, you know, we're 12 years into the program, um, we will have grown to 40 hotel brands with 800 hotels and across uh, 100 countries and again 20 million members so I say next month because next month in June we have NH Hotel Group joining us and they are a big player out there they have 330 hotels of their own across Central America South America Europe really great um, service and some great uh, city locations that we're going to be adding to the portfolio Um, and we have high-end brands again Kempinski um, Capella, the set just joined phenomenal properties iconic properties in key cities um, but we also have upscale brands like NH Hotels and the places you want to be. Sounds like you just run the whole gamut. <laughs> exactly. We're growing. We're taking over. Yeah. 
So uh, what um, what do you think customer loyalty means to you at GAJ? So for us, I mean, the way I really summarize it is very often we've become essentially a loyalty provider for these hotel brands. Um, they can do all these things wonderful on their own, and then they're trying to have a global program to connect to um, so that they can tap into it much more easily than trying to replicate it on their own um, and at a smaller scale. So for loyalty, it's our business. Um, and for the most part, the way we see our role is helping our brands enhance the guest experience. So loyalty is allowing the guests to have more recognition, to have a more personalized experience, to um, have the hotel benefits that make it a more comfortable experience, and then to have rewards, of which we originally had experiential rewards. That was pretty um, groundbreaking at the time. And then we recently, as of December, launched um, a rewards currency. So it's better than points. It's truly like rewards cash at our luxury properties that you can spend to enhance your stay. So you can use it on your spa treatment, on you know your fine dining, on um, upgrading your room, or just use it toward your bill, whatever you're, whatever you're paying for. So um, for us, it's making sure that our customers you know, they chose their hotel, they chose their location for a number of reasons. And the loyalty program is making sure that they have the best experience for that. And then when they stay in our portfolio again, they're being um, rewarded even more so. Loyalty is doing. Um, and then it also helps our brands better market to them because we know more about them. It's consent based. Um, we have more to talk to, more reasons to communicate regularly with the members. And, um, and that's helping us to, to have a better connection and relationship ongoing with them, even when they're not staying. So you've already you mentioned a little bit about the personalization efforts that you're taking here. Um, how is technology impacting your ability to personalize your communications and benefits and your rewards? You know, it's been great in recent years since everyone's been trying to um, make progress in that area. There are so many tools that we tap into. Again, one of our shareholders is a technology provider. We, we leverage their services, um, the different tools and, and how they, they call it marketing orchestration. Um, and so it's allowed us to have a lot more, I think, automation in how we are personalizing content to the, um, to the members. And some of it is required based on different uh, places where you live, we have to have certain disclaimers, or you can only show certain content, or certain regions you can't show skin, so the imagery is different, or, um, you know, certain places like China, we have to put different disclaimers if we talk about rewards currency. So all of just, there's some, like, legal um, requirements for content personalization, and others are truly, you want to make sure you're showing something the customer wants to see, so that's more of, um, you know, the strategy behind it, and, um, and the tools, there's different tools we use for email marketing, which is a large um, part of our our approach, it's direct marketing for us. And um, and then on our website, trying to personalize that experience a little bit more and there's different tools that we need to be um, testing. And so in all, I think it's better, it's it's progressed a lot in recent years. I still, there's there's a lot of room of, of how to go further. Um, and so I think the main thing is trying to connect it all and trying to, I think it overcomplicates a lot of times too, of you know what, the default did just as good as a really hyper-personalized one. So obviously we didn't do it right. So then it's okay, well, um, was that necessary? Could we have just saved several weeks and a lot of different um, you know, time and effort if we had not over-personalized? So anyway, there's something to talk about that for a bit. Yeah, you, um, you touched on this a little bit. I had this uh, question a little later on, but since you already touched on this, I'm just going to go ahead and ask, um, you know, with all the recent industry challenges, like with the cookies going away and the new privacy laws, um, how are you looking at customer loyalty now? It, it seems it's just much more important with organizations than it's ever been. And, you know, you get the explicit permission and the opportunity to get this first and zero party data. Um, how can it address some of the other external challenges that we're seeing? 
Yeah, I mean, I completely, yes, it's first party data. It's the easiest yeah. thing. And so even before this whole move to cookie list, it was already a big advantage. And so when that came to be, I was on all these different marketing calls or, you know, conferences. And I was thinking for us, it's, it's great because we don't rely on that at all. We rely on our own first party data. We collect it. We're always trying to append it to make it as complete of a picture on a profile as possible. We have a data mart that we stopped. We've had a review of like 172 fields on each of our members. Um, of which not all of them are populated, but in time we try to populate that. And then our marketing team is charged with trying to action off of all of that, which is difficult because sometimes you don't need all that information, but but we have it. So um, so the great thing is we have spent, um, we have a very talented team who's, they specialize in, in trying to kind of um, connect it all, to engineer it all, and then um, to organize it all. And then our marketing team is um, is being built up over the years to, to try to action on it. And um yeah, I mean, the first party data is essential. We have a very clear view of it. The data quality is being cleansed quite often if people are staying um, and they're staying more. So the, the more elite tiers, we have better better quality because it's been, you know, the reservation history has been refined more quickly um, as opposed to some lapsed customers. If, if something is two or three years old because that was the last time they stayed in the Maldives, then potentially, you know, some of the data is not as, as useful. But I feel like it makes everything so much easier. As a marketer, you know that you're, you know more about the customer. It's not a black box. You know who they are, what their, you know, what their behavior was, what their preferences are. You know um, some demographic, geographic stuff, and you can use it so much more easily. And you're allowed to. It's permission based. Again, if you enroll in the program, there's consent that's obtained early on for different things. And for GDPR, it's where we started back in. About 2018, and then now you've got you know, the, the ones in Canada and California, and there's all these different ones that you have to be aware of. But GDPR is pretty, um, pretty strict, and as long as we're on, on good terms with that, we do that for the entire database, no matter where people live. We make sure we're compliant across all those areas. And so, um, what's good about that is that we are doing everything in a very responsible way, and the loyalty program really helps us do that. Um, again, because you you proactively seek that out when they're enrolling, you um, do that ongoing with ongoing loyalty communications. You can always have them opt in, opt out of different things. Um, and so there's some of those that you can get away with that are transactional, that are not marketing, um, because it's based on the relationship in the program. So um, it's, a, it's a kind of fine line, but it allows you to kind of get an in um, to, to converse with the customer digitally without having to be too worried about if you're allowed to or not. Um, but also, again, going back to like, there's more content to provide. As a loyalty program, you can always just say, hey, here's your account summary. Or did you know your um, rewards are expiring? Did you know there's a new uh, hotel edition of the program? Your, the benefits that you have are expanding. There's so many things that aren't even about your product as much, and you can still always have a reason to reach out. And, um, and that allows you to just have kind of an in before you do the sell. Um, so there's a lot of advantages, I would say. And then, um, of course, you're trying to use it to make people ideally book direct with our hotels. Um, and that's what our hotels want, that's what we want. And um, and then it also makes sure that they have a more seamless experience when they stay with us. Well, great, now I know you, you've got a lot of backend support um, here. What about like traditionally speaking um, in hotels, the employees behind the front desk have always been really integral to supporting the brand. Uh, how does employee engagement and or loyalty fit into the customer loyalty discussion? Are your employees trained or engaged with differently today? And how do you see this going forward? Yeah, absolutely. We had to, um, you know, it's interesting because we, um, relaunched our program in December. And what 
has been some really great feedback we've heard from our, our senior leaders across our brands is that the hotel associates are so much more engaged now with this new program. And it's because they have new emphasis on it. Okay. But it was also because the program was more rewarding to our customers and that made the staff more happy to actually, you know, talk about it and to get behind it. So it's funny because we did it for, you know, for the customers and then commercially we figured out the business model to make it work. But then our staff is now enrolling people and talking more about the rewards and all of it because they believe in the program more. They're more proud of it. And so that was a, just a natural way of, of them getting behind it. Um, in terms of like the actual process and how are we training them, you know, in hospitality the last couple of years, staffing has been a huge obstacle. Um, and the training has been a really difficult thing to um, to do. If the, if the hotels are closed, that's an issue. If your hotels are at half staff, they have no time to pull anyone away from the front desk to get trained. So training has been difficult. You had to be really, really, um, you know, specific and um, careful with how much time you were requiring and how quick and simple you can make that training message. And so, um, you know, we very much relied on a training platform we do digitally where you can go in, but they're little bite-sized chunks. So we had this whole relaunch. We changed everything in the program. We had a new tiers, there's new names, there's new criteria, there's a new reward system. Um, there's new concepts that are pretty cool called Live Local, where you don't even have to stay at the hotel. So to a hotel associate, like, wait, you don't have to stay here and they're part of this. And you had to train them on what that is and why it matters and why it's a, a great thing. So all this had to be bite-sized chunks. And so for someone like maybe in a corporate office, you could sit away for three hours and do all of it together. They could. Or if you're at the front desk and you have five minutes, cool, here's the, the order we've got it. It's all um, you know tailored to what your, your user level is. And um, all of that is kind of done for you and it makes it a little bit more easy to, I guess, um, digest. So that was one um, approach that we did for this one that I would say differed from past years where it was more offline where, you know, it used to be you could pull staff off and you had 30 people sitting in a room and it was old school where you had a trainer at the front talking to them for like a half day. And that's how we used to do stuff. And now it's truly, you know, self-led digitally through these different online platforms. And that is working. It's working for the, the younger workforce kind of prefer that. They like doing it on their own pace and for their own, just see it on the screen. And um, so I feel like that's, um, it's enabled us to do it more at scale with the, the constraints that we have, but absolutely the staff have to get behind it. The members don't know about it. The guests who are staying at their hotels don't know about this program unless someone talks to them about it, um, potentially on the website or in the reservation path, they saw it. Um, but they're, you know, decision fatigue. There's so many other things they're looking at. It's truly when they're checking in, if they're not a member of the staff, um, the front desk associate is the one saying, hey, did you know on this day you could be getting, you know, hundred discovery dollars back if you just enroll right here. And there's no cost free. So the idea is you need someone else to point out that value to you. And that's what the hotel staff does. They only do it if they're aware of it. And then if they believe in it, they don't want to be, you know, um, saying anything that, is going to rob rob one of these customers the wrong way and so um, it has been really advantageous for us that they um hotel staff is approving of this new program and that they are getting behind it oh, that's awesome that's great um and uh so speaking of partnerships are nothing new for you guys i mean you know you partner with everyone that's basically your whole business is built on partnerships can you uh, tell us a little bit more about how you approach partnerships and what you look for when you're bringing them into your universe and maybe what they expect from you? I know you said that you had somebody else just coming on board. Um, just what, when did you say in a couple months? Yeah, um, actually, in I think three weeks. On the three weeks. Of June. All right. um, 
That, okay, so yeah, there's kind of two ways to look at it. So um, we have hotel brands and we just call them brands. They're part of our collection of hotels. Um, and so of that, we have almost 40 brands and you can call them brand partners. If anything, it's a closer relationship than partners. They're truly in it. This is their one program. It's their, it's one loyalty number across everyone. They're all in this alliance. It's, it's, it's a stronger relationship than partnership. So, but yes, it's very much an alliance of these brands who decide to come together and they're not owned. They're all independently owned. They're not owned by us and they don't, some of them actually own us. It's kind of a reverse relationship. Um, and so that's kind of um, business development of, um, you know, do which brands do we want in our portfolio and who's really adding to, um, to the mix that we offer to our, our customers and who really fits our mold. And that's very much, you know, our development efforts are word of mouth. It's all networking. It's very much, here's some brands that check these boxes for us. We're usually luxury players out there that are small and very authentic to their destination. And um, it just kind of, it's a, it's a mindset of um, that you want to be, you know, entrepreneurial and individual and to not be, one of the cookie cutter big guys. And so we're the challenger brand and we offer this and here's the, we're a collection of these brands who feel that way. And you also understand that you're bigger together. You're better together. So they, um, they want to be small and independent, but they realize even if you're in the same market, like London or Singapore or Bangkok, that if you're sitting even in the same loyalty program with some of these competitor hotels, you realize that you're better together and for all these different reasons. And so um, we have very business savvy hotel companies who get that and, um, and that it works well. So we kind of see people who fit our mold and we we work with them to figure out if it's a if it's a match and if not no problem we like we're very happy with the portfolio that we have um, but we're always trying to fill gaps on the on the map so that our customers have different places in our our network to go to so that they if they want to go to you know Amsterdam we just got a hotel in there great all right now it's part of our portfolio you can go there and you don't have to leave for another program unless you choose to um, so that would I would say is like the business development and then the other part which is a little bit more traditional is truly like partnerships with other industries. So for us, um, you know, adjacent categories, like let's say um, airlines or car rentals, um, we do, you know, tier matching. So top tier here, top tier there, or credit cards, you know, Amex Centurion becomes a titanium member with us and that's just tier matching. So we do that for kind of customer acquisition. Um, and we very much see the value of just trying to provide more breadth of benefits to our members outside of our hotels. Right now, again, with the relaunch of our program, the focus is on very much leveraging the assets in our hotels. We have all these outlets that are you know, these spas and golf. Um, we have golf resorts, we have different Michelin star restaurants. We have all these different kind of opportunities beyond the hotel room itself that we now have integrated into the program. So if you're spending across those, finally you're getting rewarded for that. And the rewards you earn, you can go spend on that, which it's, it's a wonderful you know, evolution of, of our program. So right now it's focused on the hotels more so but in the future on the roadmap, we are wanting to be allowing the earn and burn of our rewards currency outside of our hotels. So to, to make sure it is more of a lifestyle play that our members are um, able to, to see more benefit and value beyond our, our fixed facilities. So um, we'll be doing that through partnerships is my point. So that's kind of on the roadmap for next year is kind of blowing it up outside of that. Well, that's great, thank you. And then we've got just one last question. It's kind of a self-serving question for us here. Um, what can Loyalty 360 do for you to help you with your customer loyalty journey? Yeah, I mean, I think what's great about organizations like Loyalty 360 is you connect the marketers, right? And so I know personally you know, for myself, I love watching other industries. And so more even than watching hospitality because we already know what we know. And so if you look to other industries, you really pick it up and that helps you innovate because you can 
you innovate more from the outside in. So I love when you bring different groups together and you, you have one common question, so we'll see, there you go, um, but specific things within that and you, um, you have different players kind of contributing their lens to it. And I feel like we learn a lot from that. Um, so again, I would say continue there. Um, but the other thing that's more specific that I feel um, we're always looking for is really trying to identify, there's so many startups, which we were once one, but um, especially in the technology space, there's in the payments space, um, there's a lot of startups out there and um, you know, there's some common pain points in certain industries, hospitality has several, and it's a matter of kind of vetting what startups are there, having them present more, or having more of a, a spotlight or highlight on, on startups that are really solving problems. And again, it could be cross industry. They could be solving a problem for retail over here. And I might be watching it from hospitality here and think, oh, here's an application that really works for this problem that we have on the roadmap. And, um, and just, I think that that kind of would be very useful and very helpful for us. Great. Well, Christy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We really appreciate it and uh, we look forward to more to come. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. Great. Thank you.